Hi, and welcome to the Writing and Marketing Show brought to you by author Wendy H. Jones. This show does exactly what it says on the tin. It's jam-packed with interviews, advice, hints, tips and news to help you with the business of writing. It's all wrapped up in one lively podcast, so it's time to get on with the show. And welcome to episode 168 of the Writing and Marketing Show with author, entrepreneur, Wendy H. Jones. As always, it is a pleasure to have you with me. Today, I'm going to be talking about writing fan fiction commercially um, with author Ruth Lee, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Before then, what has been happening in my life? Well, since I got back from Israel, it has been absolutely crazy busy. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interviews I did while I was out in Israel. I certainly enjoyed doing them, and I hope they helped you. Um, but since I got back, I've been at the um, I've been at the Scottish Association of Writers Conference, which I organised as the president. And on the last day, I handed over my presidency to a new president. I had done five years, and that five years just flew past. I can tell you, um, I had a great time, but it was time to hand it on because the organisation needs fresh blood. Um, I was fortunate when I was there and I was absolutely blown away because I won um, three awards. I got a first, I won the Janetta Bowie Challenge, Chalice for a non-fiction book and that was for the first 15,000 words of a non-fiction book which was called So You Want to Write Non-Fiction but it's actually going to come out as my fourth book in my Writing Matters series. So it will be called eventually Non-Fiction Matters and a lot of people said to me that they're very much looking forward to reading the book and learning more. Um, so I'm excited about that. I also got two third places, one for my non-fiction book, which was uh, in the um, Writing Matters series as well, and that was called Motivation Matters, and the other was for my uh, for a book review. So it was an exciting time, really. I had a great time, and I've now got the chalice up on my um, bureau, which uh, writing bureau, so it's lovely to see it there. Um, what else is happening? Well, I'm busy uh, setting up a brand new um, organization called Scott Publishing. That's A-U-S-C-O-T Publishing and Retreats. And uh, we're going to, um, there's three of us, myself, uh, Shoma Mitra and Susan McVeigh are setting up the business and we're going to be running high-end international retreats and courses for writers. So that's a very exciting uh, uh change in direction for me, although I will still be writing. When I say change in direction, I don't mean I'm giving up writing. It's in addition to what I'm doing already, because of course, I don't know I have, have enough to do. I'm also looking at a trip to the States for three months. I've booked my flight, so I'll be off to the States for three months uh, from August. And I'm also looking at a wee trip to Mexico, as you do. So, hey, you never know what's going to happen in life. It's great. So more of all that later. So what of the lovely Ruth Lee? I've had Ruth in on the um, show before, um, but this time we're talking about something totally different because she's got a change in direction, as she will tell you. So Ruth is a novelist and freelance writer who lives in beautiful East Sussex, along with three children, one husband, a kitten, two budgies, six chickens and two quail. Sounds busy in her household. She's been writing content and blogs for charities and small Suffolk businesses for the last 13 years and loves adding value with words. She published her first novel, The Diary of Isabella M. Smooge, in February 2021. The second novel, The Trials of Isabella M. Smooge, followed in October 2021. 
The third in the series, The Continued Times of Isabella M. Smoosh, will be available for pre-orders in September 2022 and be in the shops in October. Ruth learned to read age four and hasn't stopped since. Her first piece of fiction was produced on sugar paper and written with crayons back in class three at primary school. She was surprised and pleased to be given a gold star for it and has hoped for more of the same ever since. And I can absolutely assure you she is a fabulous writer and I'm very much looking forward to her new um, series uh, of fan fiction books. And without further ado, let's in, uh, invite Ruth onto the show, say hello to her and get to hear about this new series. Hello. And okay, we have Ruth it. with us. Welcome, Ruth. Hi, Wendy. Good to be here. Hey, it's absolutely lovely to have you here. Now, we've got a bit of a lag tonight, and there's a good reason for that. Why is that? Where are you at the moment? Oh, well, I happen to be... I'm in a little wooden chalet in Switzerland at the moment. In Switzerland. How fabulous. What are you doing there? Um, we've come on a family holiday. Everybody else is skiing, but I'm not. I'm doing writing and walking and swimming and things like that. I'm not going to endanger myself by hurtling down the slopes anymore. How fabulous. Hey, I'm very excited for you, but I'm not anywhere except Bonnie, Scotland. So, hey, but you never know. I might be somewhere later in the year. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. It is. It is. So, yeah, well, that's, that's the question. You're always traveling all over the world. Oh, I'm always traveling. I've got I've got a little trip coming up in August. I say a little trip. I'm going away for three months. So <laughs> that's a trip. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> it's quite a trip. <laughs> so I've got some questions for you. So are you sitting comfortably? Yes, I am. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear it. So we're going to talk today about um, fan fiction. So let's pin our cover colours to the mast and please excuse the cliche. I know I'm a writer and shouldn't be using them, but hey. And tell us what fan fiction is. Okay, so it's a literary work which is based on a pre-existing novel or a work of fiction, and it's usually a very well-known work of fiction. So Jane Austen is a classic example. Some people are going to write a prequel or a sequel to one of the novels or a reimagining of the novel where they completely rewrite it. Other people will choose a character like Charlotte Collins or Mary or Kitty Bennett and write a novel just about them. And I found out recently the first ever example that we know of of fan fiction on Austin was 1913. So it's a very long standing tradition. Um, and you probably know this in 2014, the Jane Austen Project asked famous writers to rewrite the novels in the present day. And my favourite by a long old chalk was Val McDermott doing Northanger Abbey, uh, where she sent the heroine to the Edinburgh Festival. So that is a, a brief answer to your question, I hope. Yeah, I must say the Northanger Abbey rewriting was brilliant. Val McDermott was outstanding at it. Yeah. yeah. So that was a perfect, that one. perfect answer. Perfect answer to my question. So thank you. So I have to say, you have got such an intriguing idea about uh, to write fan fiction around Pride and Prejudice. So can you tell us about it? Yeah, I can remember the exact moment when I had the idea. It was right at the start of lockdown. I was sitting up in bed with a cup of tea in the morning and I was halfway through Pride and Prejudice for the umpteenth time. And I suddenly had a realisation that once upon a time in a small town in Hertfordshire, there would have been a very pretty, lively teenage girl 
who was starting to think about marriage called Miss Gardner. And Miss Gardner is one of the main characters in Pride and Prejudice. I'm not going to say who she becomes. Obviously, she does get married, not spoil it. But I thought, I know, I'll just have some fun and write a short story about her in the voice of her new husband. And once I'd done that, it kind of started something in my mind. And I thought, oh, there's all these other characters in the novel who only appear a few times or don't even have any lines or just referred to once or twice by name. So I went through and I found eight other characters. Um, So there's Sally, the maid, who's employed by Colonel and Mrs. Forster. And Lydia writes to the Colonel's wife asking if Sally will mend her dress after she's eloped. Then there's the Harrington sisters, and they're part of this gang of teenage girls who go rampaging around Meryton. There's Mrs. Forster herself, Mrs. Annesley, who's Georgiana's Darcy's companion, Nichols, the cook at Netherfield, Mrs. Phillips, who's Mrs. Bennett's sister, Mrs. Long and Mrs. Jenkinson, who works with Lady Catherine de Burr. And I just had so much fun finding their voices, researching their backgrounds and looking up social and historical information to underpin the story. Sounds amazing, I have to say. And I I really am intrigued by the premise. It's just genius. It really is. So I'd, I'd like to ask, what is the starting point of such an undertaking? I wouldn't even know where to start. (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I think Miss Gardner started it. So I think the starting point for me was that I didn't have very much to do because lockdown had taken all my work away. So I had a bit of space in my creative brain. And once Miss Gardner had come into that space, immediately other characters and questions came into my mind. So, for example, how come Mrs. Long, and if you read the novel, she's the third person mentioned by name in the novel after Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. How come she knows about Mr. Bingley? coming to Netherfield before either Mrs. Bennett or her sister, because Mrs. Bennett is a news hound. You know, she's got her nose to the ground, sniffing out young men for all those daughters. And we're told that Mrs. Phillips, who is on the high street in Meryton, is equally as keen on news. So how come these ladies don't know about it? But Mrs. Long does. That intrigued me. Then I thought, well, why is there a piano in Mrs. Jenkinson's room at Rosings Park when we don't ever see Anderbert play the piano? And Lady Catherine says she's never learned. Why is that? And Mrs. Forster, the colonel's wife, who's described only as a very young woman, lately married. So a very young woman would mean in Regency terms, 16 or 17. Is she really as silly and giggly as her intimate friend Lydia? And how does Sally the maid feel about being forced to mend the dress of a girl who's lost her character? You know, no one seemed to ever have asked these questions before. And it just opened a door in my mind and outpoured the stories. Wow, Um, that is great. And it leads me nicely into my next question, because I'm curious, what level of knowledge do do you have to have of the original manuscript in order to write fan fiction? Well, I'd say you have to have a pretty high level if you want to do a good job of it. Um, You need to be able to write in the voice, the authentic voice of somebody living in the late 18th century. Um, And you have to use the correct sentence structure, the right spelling and adjectives, because they did speak quite differently to us. You know, it's recognisable English, but the intonation to sentence structure is quite different. So the younger characters, the unmarried girls, this gang of teenagers would tend to speak in a kind of rushed telegraphic style with lots of exclamation points. You know, nowadays, Lydia and Kitty would be on TikTok all the time. Um, But the servants such as Sally and Mrs. Nichols would talk in a much more basic way with less elegant vocabulary. So I looked into that and I did huge amounts of research. 
And I think you do have to immerse yourself um, very fully in the original manuscript to do a good job of this kind of thing. Mm. That seeks quite nicely into my next question, really, because I, w- I would like you to talk us through the pros and cons of writing it in the original style versus writing it in a more contemporary style. Mm, that's a really good question, too. Um, I think I'd say that the main pro for me was that it's really good for your writing mojo. Um, when you're immersing yourself in a different historical period, with different customs, um, and you're trying to create believable, readable dialogue and description without just parroting, parroting Austrian's words, it's quite difficult at first, but it's very rewarding. Um, I sent it over to my first readers, and at first they found it quite difficult because of the rhythm, because it's a different kind of language. But once they warmed up to it, they really enjoyed it because it makes it authentic. So that's, I think, the pro. It, it's more authentic and it's good for your writing style. And as far as oh, writing it in a contemporary style, you know, I really admire those authors from the Jane Austen Project who were able to take four of the six major novels and rewrite them for the 21st century. But that never felt like something I could do uh, myself, although if it's done well, it's very readable. So I think that's the answer. I think for me, immersing myself in that language and that custom was easier than starting all over again and rewriting it for our times in that sort of language. Yeah, I have to say, I think I would struggle to write it in a more contemporary uh, version, although I have seen, Mm. um, you know, like a contemporary version of Little Women. It's not Little Women, it's just a movie, but it is Little Women, you know, but Mm. it's it's a contemporary movie. It doesn't say it's Little Women, but you know it is, you know. Yeah, you know it is, exactly. Yeah, so it's really clever, the people that do that, I have to say. Um, yeah. Not that yeah, I, that's I, I think people that write it in the original style are very clever as well. I don't think I would even want to attempt it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so. Once you get into the swing of it, it's, it's all right. Once, you, once you're in the swing of it, it gets quite easy. It's just getting yourself into that place, I think. Yeah, yeah. So how did you go about the process of choosing which characters you wanted in the book? Well, I found a fantastic resource called Austenopedia. Now, I've I've looked to try and find out who created it, and I don't know, but whoever it is, thank you very much. Um, It's something that obviously a lot of work was done on it, and unfortunately I think she she or he has only done information for two or three out of the novels. But fortunately, one's Pride and Prejudice. So you have a complete list or alphabetically, of every single character in the novel. Oh. So I know, so handy, honestly. So I skimmed through the entry for Pride and Prejudice, and I chose the ones I like the look of. And the way I did it, I didn't want to make it a kind of one-note book. So it would be very easy to pick lots of young, marriageable ladies all telling their story, but that would be quite boring. Um, so we had a few of those. But I, I particularly loved Longbourn by, by Joe Barker, which I'm sure you've read, which tells the story through the size. And I knew I wanted at least two servants in the book. So I I chose two of them. Plus, I chose Mrs. Jenkinson and Mrs. Annesley because they're middle class women. So respectable, but they're forced to earn their living. One because she's a widow with no children and the other one because she hasn't married and has no other means of support. So I wanted to mix it up. You know, it had to be lots of different voices. Mm. Um, It would be dull. So that's how I chose them. Mm. I'm quite curious as to why you chose short stories rather than doing a full novel about each of the characters you've chosen. Mm, that is a very thought-provoking no- um, thought, actually. Um, I mean, I wrote I wrote the basics of this before I even started writing my Isabella M. Smooge book. So, so it wasn't that I didn't have a novel in me. I 
think really it was just that the characters seemed to lend themselves to a short story. Um, you know, I wanted the stories to be engaging and easy to read. And I really liked the idea that readers can just flick through the book and choose a story at random. There's no need to read them in order, which I think is quite mm. freeing. You know, while I love a novel, and I know you do too, and we both write them, you have to commit to a novel. Whereas with a book of short stories, even if they're linked, you can just pick it up and have a bit of a flick, which I think is quite freeing. Mm-hmm. I think also, I mean, this is just my thoughts, that in this day and age, people like, when they read Pride and Prejudice and books like that, it's usually people that love that style of writing. And yeah. you're only reaching a certain um, strata of the the world, really, a certain niche market. But I think if it's short stories, it would lend itself more to a bigger readership because they can read a short piece like that and then pick it up another time. You know, this is just mm. me thinking. I put no thought yeah, into Yeah, that's that. a very good point. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, because, because of yeah, the we'll style, find out that way. Hey, <laughs> I'm sure it will be great. I'm looking forward to reading it, I have to say. I really am. So do the stories tie in closely? What's Good. happening in Pride and Prejudice? Or are they completely standalone? Yeah, they do tie in. Um, the first one, Miss Gardner, is written before Pride and Prejudice begins. Um, most of them are written during the action, and I think one or two refer to it, but then are sort of the year after the two older girls have got married. So they do tie in a lot. And what I loved about it was it gave me the freedom to have these characters speaking about the Bennets and the Bingleys and the Deburs and all the major events, but through their own eyes. So Har- <coughs> excuse me, Harriet Harrington makes friends with Mrs. Forster, and therefore we see Lydia through her eyes. And Sally and Nichols, the cook, give us a servant's eye view of, of the families. Uh, Mrs. Long spends most of her story walking about to her friends' houses, picking up nuggets of news and trying to best Mrs. Bennett in the marriage stakes. And I I just really love the idea of two ladies with a massive squad of daughters and nieces eyeing up all the suitable young men in the neighbourhood and trying to beat each other to it. So it gave me the chance to tie it in, most certainly, but also to expand it without doing a rewrite, which I would never want to do. Mm. It's a good way of doing it. Yeah, I like mm. the idea. So. When you, you're writing the stories, do you work on the assumption the reader will have a strong understanding of the original book or can they be read as standalone? I think they can. Um, two of my first readers had never read the novel, um, but they had both watched the BBC adaptation. However, they really enjoyed the stories. And I suspect that most people who pick this book up will probably have watched one of the recent adaptations or read the book, but they don't have to have done and they don't have to be complete Austin nerds like me to enjoy it. You could just pick it up and it would be an entertaining book of short stories. So, you know, I think it works either way. Good. So, yeah, I think you've answered my next question, which is why is this approach important? Mm. Yeah, you see, this is the thing. I think as a writer, and you'll understand this, Wendy, I think it's really unwise to come over all precious and start saying things like you simply must read the 1956 commentary on the novel and study the tradition of the 18th century epistolary novel to truly understand Austin. You know, I write to make people laugh and to entertain them. And I want my readers to read it and enjoy it, to laugh and maybe learn something interesting from the footnotes. And if that sends them off to read the book for the first time or read it again, that's great. If not, it doesn't matter. As long as they enjoy it, I don't mind. 
Excellent. I love that. So what would be your top three tips for anyone looking at writing a book such as this? Hey, easy peasy. Number one, do your research. Terribly important. I dug deep into fashion, etiquette, food, customs, and all that kind of thing to make sure I really knew my stuff. Number two, I would say you must always read around your subject. So there were two books in particular, uh, which I mentioned in the bibliography, Longbourn by Joe Barker and Jane Austen, The Secret Radical by Helena Kelly. Um, both superb and they really enlarged my understanding of the period. And number three, I would say, is don't embark on a project like this unless you really love and respect the author's style. Um, there is a vast amount of Austen fan fiction out there. And while some is very, very good, some perhaps not quite so. Um, I've got huge respect for Austin's gifts and then they flowered in a far from encouraging atmosphere. And I'd say to anybody embarking on fan fiction, be respectful of that. Excellent points. I mean, really, especially the bit about being respectful. Yeah, you have to be respectful of the original work. Yeah. Mm. So I know you've written another series, which we've spoken about. Uh, Can you tell us about that? Mm. Uh, That's the Isabella M. Smooge series, which is about a very successful influencer who moves from London to Suffolk with her family in search of the perfect country life and discovers quite a lot about herself in the process. So very funny, easy to read. It's page turner with heart. And I'm planning to write book four next year. And I also loved writing this prejudice book so much that I'm going to do the same thing with Emma and the other four novels. So we're going to have Isabella and Austin running along concurrently. It's quite quite addictive, actually. Hey, I'm impressed with your work ethic. Work ethic. <laughs> Thank you. Tonight. I'm only on coffee. You'd think I was swigging whiskey the way I'm talking. <laughs> you can if you like. It's a jolly good idea. This sounds over the yard arm. It is. Quick, crack open the whiskey. Hey. <laughs> so my final question before we get drunk is, uh, where can my listeners find out more about you and your books? Couldn't be easier. Follow me on all the socials at Ruth Lee Writes. And you can visit my website at ruthleewrites.co.uk. Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again, Ruth. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Wendy. It's been loads of fun. Hey, well, I, I know you're busy. And pleasure. I know you're busy Thank you so much for a glass of whiskey or a glass of wine or something. So I will... Lost the wine wouldn't go amiss. <laughs> yeah, I will let you get on with your evening in Switzerland. And thank you very much and all the best with a new book. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of another show. It was really good to have you on the show with me today. I'm Wendy H. Jones and you can find me at wendyhjones.com. You can also find me on Patreon where you can support me for as little as $3 a month, which is less than the price of a tea or coffee. You go to patreon.com forward slash wendyhjones. I'm also Wendy H. Jones on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Pinterest. Thank you for joining me today and I hope you found it both useful and interesting. Join me next week when I will have another cracking guest for you. Until then, have a good week and keep writing, keep reading and keep learning.